That Triathlon Show, episode 39. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. As always, I'm your host, Michael, and today's episode is going to be about how to level up your triathlon training by using training peaks and data driven training within training peaks. So, you're probably using a watch, like a multisport watch, a Garmin or Polar or Sunto to track your training data. I think that most triathletes these days do. At least that's what I see here in Finland when I'm out training and and seeing other triathletes being out training. But the question is, are you actually using that data and benefiting from it? And I think that for most, the answer is probably not. And I've had many discussions in email discussions with listeners of the show and readers of the Scientific Triathlon blog about this topic. And also the, the athletes that I coached have uh, had questions about training peaks and, and what I look, look at specifically within training peaks to make uh, informed decisions about how to plan their training and racing. So I thought that it's about time that I make a podcast episode about this topic as well, because let's face it, both as an athlete and a coach, Training Peaks is, um, I'd say, my number one tool, except for the watch itself, of course, which is necessary to use Training Peaks. But but other than that, Training Peaks is my, the one go-to resource that I rely on very much in my own training and in my coaching as well. So what you'll learn about in today's episode is how you can use Training Peaks to actually use the data that you get from your multisport watches and how you can use the data to drive your decisions about how to train and race and also how to filter and decipher all the information that you have because you get a lot of information and uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed and uh, to do too much analysis and the wrong kind of analysis. So I want to teach you the 80-20 principles, essentially. So how to get 80% of the results from 20% of the effort by focusing on the right metrics, forgetting the wrong metrics. And uh, and yeah, your training is likely to stagnate if you if you are not giving the right metrics the, the right attention and instead are focusing on vanity metrics. That there are some that you could easily be lured into into using but uh, that's what this episode is going to be about and the end result of course is that this is a means to an end and it's about how you can learn to know exactly when you need to push or back off in your training and how to plan your training so that those uh, pushes and backing off occur at the right time in your training periodization and also importantly how to peak perfectly in time for your goal races. Also, some things that that are very useful in training peaks is that you can, with some of these metrics, learn when to move on from one training phase to the next. You're not left to rely on kind of somewhat arbitrary numbers of, let's say, 16 weeks base and 10 weeks build and so on in training periodization. I mean, those are valuable and it's very good to know about what those generic guidelines are. But uh, a better thing to do is, of course, to look at your own training data and see when you're ready to move on to the next training phase. So that's uh, what we're going to discuss in this episode. So let's start with 
what Training Peaks actually is for those that are not familiar. And uh, anything that I mention in this uh, show, I should mention right at the top, will be in the show notes for today's episode on thattriathlonshow.com. And this will be the kind of episode where I would highly recommend that you go to the show notes to follow along as well, maybe after you have listened to this on your commute or something, because there will be quite a lot of, of things that uh, you maybe might not remember all of them. So, so the show notes will be useful for that. Anyway, Training Peaks is a training analysis and planning software. And it's essentially the gold standard in endurance sports, in the endurance sports industry. It is for both athletes that are self-coached and for coaches and for athletes that are working with a coach. So you have all these different layers. And for athletes, you have free and premium accounts. So I want to cover all the bases so that you you know what you maybe might be getting into if you think that training peaks might be for you after listening to this episode so uh, the athlete accounts the free ones uh, are have the basic functionalities of all training peaks accounts so you have you can log your training on the web or on the mobile apps or you can uh, and you can upload workouts from a number of uh, all essentially all multisport watches can be synced with training peaks in some way so it's easy to to upload that training and log that and uh, and you get uh, the basic workout and fitness summaries so so essentially basic data, basic analytics, but you, you're not getting, getting all of it. And you can use a basic account to work with a coach or to buy a training plan of training peaks that are created by different coaches. Any coach can essentially upload a training plan, training peaks and sell it under. And you can also track your equipment usage. So how many kilometers have you been running on a certain pair of shoes, for example, which can be useful. And for a premium account, you can do all of that, but you can also get much more advanced metrics and data. And uh, for many of the topics that we'll cover in today's episode, a premium account is necessary. And you can periodize your training plan. You can, first of all, you can plan your training so you can create workouts for the future, which you can't do on a basic account. You can't schedule a track workout for next Wednesday that you will see in your calendar view. You can only log workouts and see see retrospectively what you have been doing with the basic workout but you can't plan ahead within the platform itself but that you that you can do with the premium account and you can periodize your training based on training stress score which we will talk about a bit more in a minute you can uh, build your own workout libraries and use unlimited workout libraries sync training peaks with your calendar so i for example sync training peaks with my google calendar so i can see right within google calendar what workouts i have scheduled you can uh, get all sorts of metrics not only for the workouts but within intervals uh, in the individual workouts so very advanced analytics and uh, you can you have all those uh, fitness trends charts and everything that you could wish for to analyze your training and drive those uh, decisions based on on that data that you that you get you can uh, use the performance management chart the pmc which we'll talk about in a minute as well and uh, finally you can use elevation correction which is not available in the basic account so that's a list of things and i'll link to uh, the page where you can review those on the show notes and training peaks is a browser-based software but it also has um, mobile apps for both ios and android so that you can look at your calendar your scheduled workouts on the go 
The only downside of it, I would say, is that it doesn't save your calendar locally. So you need a network connection, which can be a bit of a problem sometimes if you're abroad, for example, and you don't want to use mobile data. But uh, but other than that, uh, the software and the mobile apps are excellent products. Pricing, I should talk about as well. Uh, let me see. I have it somewhere here in my show notes, but at the moment I can't f- seem to find it. Oh, yes, it's uh, $19.95 for an athlete premium account if you pay monthly but you can sign up for longer and you get um, a very significant discount so you can they have quarterly and semi-annual and annual subscriptions as well and for the annual subscription it's 119 dollars so that would be 10 dollars per month which is a no-brainer essentially so yeah i would i would recommend probably start with one month only and see if you if you want to use it, which I recommend, but I realize as well that it's not for everybody. For those that don't want to do this themselves, maybe a coach is a better option. But if you want to do it yourself, then definitely go for that annual annual subscription to save $10 per month. So, or essentially half the price. Yeah, it's good a good price. It's uh, worth it many times over. And uh, the way that it looks like, I will include some screenshots as well in the show notes on thattraflandshow.com. But the most important things that you have are your calendar, where you can see past and uh, future planned workouts. And then you have a dashboard. So these are like different tabs. A dashboard where you can add different charts to monitor your training progress and track trends over time. And then you have an annual training plan tab where you can create a roadmap of your upcoming season based on training stress, which is neither duration per week nor intensity but it's the combination of the two so training stress which is uh, a very super important metric and you also have a home tab which shows your upcoming events your goals the training that you have scheduled for today and so on i think that the calendar and the dashboard are the two most important ones so uh, those two are where you'll be spending the most of your time but uh, yep that's uh, pretty much it and there's also a link to to a page on Training Peaks that is, explains all of those in more detail. That will be on the show notes page. All right, so one final mention about the Training Peaks before we dive into the tips. If you have a coach, you can use Training Peaks together with your coach. And in this case, your Training Peaks account is synced to your coach's account, and your calendar will be populated with the workouts that your coach creates and schedules for you. And once you upload the workouts that you've completed, your coach can see all the details and analyze them. You and your coach can comment on the workouts. Your coach can see all your fitness trends. He can, he or she can set up their own preferred dashboard for you it doesn't change the way that your dashboard looks like but uh, they can they are independent of each other but that way you can both look at it the way you would like ideally and uh, yeah that's about how it works one more thing about syncing as i said it syncs with all sorts of multi-sport watches for me i have a garmin forerunner 920 xt so i can either i always upload my my workouts to Garmin Connect using Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connection. So when I get to a known Wi-Fi network, it automatically uploads my latest workouts that haven't been uploaded. Or I can upload uh, to my phone, Garmin Connect on my phone or Bluetooth. And then I have Training Peaks set so that it automatically pulls all my workouts from Garmin Connect. So I don't need to do any additional work to get my workouts to sync with Training Peaks very quickly. All right, so now let's dive into the ways that you can use Training Peaks to level up your training. And I have, I have uh, 
split this uh, section into 10 different tips to make it uh, easier to overview, especially on the show notes page. It will be easier to overview in a list format. So uh, yeah, let's uh, just dive right in. And the first thing to mention is that Training Peaks and data-driven training in general relies on you having accurate fitness uh, assessments or your zones are set accurately. And we talked about this in episodes 27, 29, and 30 on training zones. So based on your fitness assessment or on different competitions that you do, you can set your training zones. So I won't go into that into much more detail, but uh, just know that all the important metrics that uh, and data that you get from Training Peaks they rely on you having your your functional threshold powers and paces in swimming, biking, and running set correctly. So if they're not correct, then you won't get uh, you will make incorrect decisions essentially when you try to base decisions on the data that you receive. So that's very important. But you don't need to test too often because often you can find that when you you're in the race season, you can use race results to update your your fitness uh, levels. Your functional thresholds if needed, or you can just based on feel slightly adjust it if needed. But of course, a fitness assessment, like a 20 minute test on the bike, for example, is also a great workout. So it's no harm done testing pretty often if you if you're not stressed out about that. Okay, so that was tip number one, you need to have your your functional thresholds and your training zones set correctly, which is easy to do in training peaks. And I'll link to some resources on the show notes page. Tip number two is to plan assess and periodize your training using training stress score. So as I mentioned briefly before, training stress score is a metric that takes both intensity and duration into account so that you actually get an accurate view of your workload. So if you're saying that you're training 15 hours per week, that doesn't really tell you that much at all because what if those 15 hours are all very easy, zone one type of training? That's one thing. But if you have a lot of high intensity training in there, then that 15 hours is a heck of a lot. So training stress score combines the intensity, which is based on your functional thresholds with the duration that you spend at different intensities, training zones or percentages of FTP or functional threshold and uh, calculates that very accurately, a training stress score, so a workload for each workout so that you can compare long and slow workouts with uh, short but intense workouts and and get an accurate view of, of how big a workload they impose on you. And you can use training peaks to create an annual training plan where you base that uh, that workload per week on training stress score instead of what has traditionally been the way that athletes have periodized their training based on duration. So instead of just putting in the hours that you will spend training each week, you will put in the training stress score, uh, score so that you, when you move from a phase to another, for example, where the distribution of intensity might change a lot, your workload is still like it's consistent with what you've been doing before. If you suddenly increase intensity and also slightly increase duration, then that is a huge increase in workload. But when you're periodizing with training stress score, you can actually make sure that that workload, it might increase a bit, but not too much. So so you get an accurate picture of how you should periodize based on different periods. So that is one good thing that you can do in the annual training plan in training peaks. It's not necessary to do that, I should say. I don't do it for all athletes. I do it for some athletes. 
and I keep track on it, but but it's not something that I think it, it's not the most important feature in training peaks, but it, but for some athletes, it might definitely be useful to do. Number three on this list of tips is to use the performance management chart or the PMC to monitor fitness, fatigue, and form. So let's cover some important terminology first. Fitness in training peaks is chronic training load, and that is the average training stress score per day that you have sustained over the last six weeks. So the higher the average, the fitter you are. But that doesn't mean, of course, that the athlete with the highest uh, CTL, chronic training load, wins the race because it's individual for you. But if your CTL is getting higher or increasing, then you are getting fitter. And then we have fatigue, which is acute training load or ATL. That is the same, but it is instead of a six-week average, it's a seven-day average. So it's uh, the very recent training you've done, how much uh, training stress score that has imposed on you. So, for example, if you've been to a training camp, your acute training load will be very high and, uh, and you'll see a big increase in fatigue. And in contrast, if you have had a rest week, then you should see that your acute training load is very low, comparatively speaking, because you have done much easier training over the last seven days. And finally, we have the form or training stress balance, TSB, which is the difference between fitness and fatigue. So let's say your average training stress score over the last six weeks, so the, the fitness has been 70, and you have recently been to a training camp, so your last week was a training load, on average training load of 85 per day. So then you would, or let's put it at 100. Then your training stress balance would be 60 minus 100, or did I say 70? Let's uh, CTL 60, TSB 100. So then your training stress balance would be 60 minus 100, which would be minus 40. So you would have a very low training stress balance, uh, which indicates that you are not in form to race. You're training heavily at the moment, so not, you're not fresh at all. But then again, when you taper for a race and, uh, and your training is getting lighter and lighter and, uh, and you decrease the, the duration of workouts and so on, your acute training load will be, comparatively speaking, much lower than your chronic training load. So your TSB will be positive. So uh, a good training stress balance ranges to shoot for are minus 10 to minus 30 when you're in training mode. And then the transition phase, which is sort of a gray zone, which you want to mostly avoid, you will only spend time in it when you're transitioning from training phase to peaking phase between minus 10 and plus 5. And then on race day, you want that training stress balance to be in the plus 5 to plus 20 or even 25 range, depending a bit on your goal race. The longer the race for an Ironman, you want a higher higher TSB, so higher positive, maybe plus 20 or even plus 25. But for an Olympic distance or a sprint distance, plus 10 might be a good good value to shoot for. So there's a lot that goes into the PMC, but the bottom line is that, uh, that during your training and up until your taper, you want to see a general trend of increasing fitness. And in this period, your form can and should be low and your fatigue can be high, but not constantly. Take rest days and easy weeks to to reset that balance a bit. Once you start peaking for a race, you want to decrease your training load so that your fitness decreases just a little bit, but your form increases a lot. And this means that you're ready to race. Right, so that's uh, about it for, for the PMC. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to episode seven on that triathlon show, which we had with Jim, an interview with Jim Vance who is the author of Triathlon 2.0, which goes into much more detail 
on all of these topics and we talk a lot about PMC in that episode. So you can go and have a look at that. Then for the next point, point number four is to know your fitness ramp rate. And that is how fast your CTL is uh, increasing. So obviously it's nice to see an increase in fitness, but if it happens too fast, then you run the risk of becoming overtrained or getting flirting with injuries and illness. So Training Peaks automatically displays uh, the fitness ramp rates, so how much the CTL has increased with over the last 7 days, 28 days, and 90 days. And perhaps the most important one to uh, have a look at is the last 7 days. And there are some guidelines for what that should be in, for what range, for different types of athletes. So let's say that you are kind of training on the lower end of how much you train, so your CTL is 45 or less. Then a lower risk cramp rate would be four or less, so four points increases in CTL over seven days. A moderate risk would be between four and six over seven days, and a high risk would be eight or more, and then you have the moderate plus sort of between six and eight. If you're on the higher end of the fitness scale, so you have a CTL that is 70 or more, then these numbers are slightly different. So six or less would be considered low risk ramp rate and between 6 and 8 would be a moderate risk ramp rate and a high risk ramp rate would be a CTL increase over 7 days of 10 or more. So that was a short one and uh, yeah, I'm just throwing numbers at you and I realize that that's not so easy when you're listening to a podcast but uh, again, go to the show notes and have a look at that. Alright, point number 5. Assess your aerobic endurance. There are two great metrics that training peaks provides for doing this it's essentially your your engine or your your base your base fitness that that you want to have a look at with these metrics and they are called uh, decoupling and efficiency factor or ef so decoupling refers to the drift in heart rate that you may see if your base is not good enough for a constant output so if you're running it would be a constant pace assuming that uh, the ground is flat and training peaks actually normalizes your pace so that it's uh, it takes into account elevation and uh, and hills so it's called normalized graded pace so that that's a great attribute of training peaks as well for these metrics so you'll obviously get your overall pace as well the way that you're used to but in this uh, decoupling metric, if you see that your heart rate, for example, you have a, an absolutely constant pace, but your heart rate increases from a stable level by 5%, then you would have a decoupling that is 5%. And uh, and that is considered the uh, kind of like borderline, you have a good base, but if you go any higher than 5%, you still have work to do. And if you get further below, below 5%, then that usually indicates that you don't need to do too much more work on your base fitness, just maintaining it and then turning your attention to other metrics. So that 5% is a great guideline for when it's time to maybe switch from the base phase of training to the build phase if you're doing a traditional linear periodization model. And then a similar but uh, different metric is the efficiency factor, which measures essentially how long you can go. So your your pace per or your meters, sorry, your distance per heart rate. And uh, so that is individual. Obviously, you can't compare efficiency factors between athletes because two equally fit athletes may have very different heart rates just because they they have different 
different maximum heart rates but that doesn't mean that uh, there's any difference in their fitness one runner may be running at 130 uh, beats per minute whereas the other is at 150 and it's uh, an equally easy intensity for them and the exact same pace but you can compare yourself if you do some workouts that are consistent from time to time and see how your efficiency factor so the distance you can cover per heart rate develops over that same similar workout in similar conditions with similar preparation again that's a uh, something that you can use to see whether your aerobic fitness is still improving if it is then you would do well to continue building that base but if it's flattening out then either you're training incorrectly but uh, if you feel that you're getting to a good base fitness then probably you have kind of reached the level that you can reach in this training cycle for the base fitness the aerobic engine and should again move to the next phase of your training periodization all right so next we have muscular endurance metrics so this is point number six on our list so muscular endurance is in simple terms your ability to push moderately high to high intensities so it would be zones three to four usually if we consider the the usual training zones and we covered these again in episodes 27 29 and 30 that i'll link to in the show notes and uh, it's your ability to push these intensities for extended periods of time and your muscular endurance especially as you get uh, get a bit faster and have been in the sport for a while is uh, probably the most important determinant of how your physiological fitness as a triathlete and how fast you can go so during the periods of the season for example build phase and building up for races when your goal is to increase muscular endurance, you you should be keeping a, a, an eye on how your muscular endurance develops. And the two favorite metrics that I use for this, or there are four, two for the bike and two for the run, are the P20 and P60 for the bike, which is your peak power output over 20 minute, minutes and 60 minutes respectively. And it's the best average power that you have held in a training or race, training session or, or a race for 20 minutes and 60 minutes on the bike. And likewise for running, you have the P20 and P60, but they would correspond to pace in that case and not to power so the best average pace that you've held for 20 minutes or 60 minutes on the run and uh, what you want to see is a nice nice steady increase in p20 and p60 as you progress through your training phase where you're working on muscular endurance and if you're not then you are probably doing something wrong in your training because uh, it should be improving and you should be doing the type of training that uh, allows you to see those improvements as well that's basically it so four metrics two for aerobic fitness uh, the efficiency factor and decoupling and two each for bike and running in uh, for muscular endurance p20 and p60 so let's move on to the next point point number seven which is optimize your taper and this is something that uh, jim vance very eloquently put in our episode our interview with him in that you can define your taper down to a single number and that is the training stress balance that you want to have on race day so you it's a kind of a not a miss and hit uh, there are ranges guideline ranges that you should stick to when designing your taper and what training stress balance you need to aim for but uh, there's still some individual variants some athletes may perform very well at a tsb of plus five which is a very low positive training stress balance so more often than not these are very fit athletes and if you're 
a bit uh, less fit, then maybe at least I would err on the side of having a higher training stress balance. So something like 15 to 20 or even 25 if it's an Ironman race, for example. So the range that I would say is that plus 5 to plus 25. And uh, I would reserve those 20 to 25 for usually Ironman races probably for half yeah maybe you could go there for 70.3 for 2 plus 20 but otherwise 10 to 20 is also a great range for for an olympic distance race for example or a a half distance race so uh, you can define your taper down to that single number and you would do that based on how you have performed in previous races and going back and having a look at what your training stress balance was on race day when you performed your best and what has it been when you didn't perform well and uh, have a think about what you felt in that train race as well did it feel like you were overly fatigued because in that case you probably had too low a tsb and didn't come into the race with enough form you weren't fresh enough enough essentially so uh, yeah that the tsb is a number that you can define your taper to and when you plan your training sessions you in training peaks you can assign in for future workouts what kind of intensity they will be and what duration and training peaks will calculate the tss that you will get from that workout so you can see like from a very long time out if you have all your training sessions planned what your tsb will be on race day if you do the training sessions in that exact way and uh, even if you just estimate which is what i would recommend it is uh, you can get very close and and that is what i do for the athletes that i coach and and that is uh, a great one of the best best functionalities that you have in in training peaks so uh, yeah this is uh, very important i would highly recommend that you have a look at this and uh, and try it out in training peaks for yourself and and start to collect data so that you can see in your races what your ideal tsb on race day would be one important point that i want to make is that you don't want to lose too much fitness because then that will also be detrimental to your race performance or you won't perform as well as you could have so usually a rough guideline again is to lose at most up to 10 percent of your ctl your peak ctl for an ironman goal race and uh, maybe for a half distance close to 10 percent but for an olympic distance goal race probably closer to five percent or so would be appropriate all right that's about it for that point on the list as well so let's move on to point number eight which is to reverse engineer your key workouts so this is another trick that I learned from uh, Jim Vance's Triathlon 2.0, which I hadn't used before. And it applies specifically to 70.3 and Ironman racing, or I should say half distance and full distance, because it doesn't matter if it's Ironman branded or not, obviously. But uh, those distances where your big days of training starts to play a really important role in how you will perform on race day. And to reverse engineer your key workouts like this, you need to know your functional thresholds, whether it's especially on the bike, but also on the run. But the bike is the one that has the most impact on this specific point on the list. And then you need to know your target race intensity as a power number or a percentage of your functional threshold and also your goal time for the bike leg of your race. And that needs to be realistic based on that target uh, power number or percentage of FTP. So you need to have some idea. And if you don't, you need to, to figure it out. There are online calculators. They are not that 
exact i would probably more so recommend to try and go out in similar conditions on a similar uh, bike course to your target race and hold that power number and see what your average pace is and then that way you can calculate then what your time will be if you hold that that power output for the entire duration of that bike leg so let's say for example that you're planning to do an ironman race and you have an FTP that is 250 watts and you want to ride at 70% of FTP, so that would be 175 watts, then you can have a look at what average speeds that you've been holding for training rides at that power. And uh, let's just say for argument's sake, I have done some calculations here in my in my preparations for this episode, that you average 31 kilometers an hour at 175 watts. I should probably have had a more careful look at whether this is realistic at all or not. Uh, I guess it is, depending on your, or definitely it's realistic to hold that, but maybe it's even on I don't know. Let, anyway, let's just keep a roll with it and and see what uh, the numbers turn out to because I'm just calculating here as I go along when for some of these metrics. When you divided that 180 kilometers with 31 kilometers per hour, you get a time estimate of uh, five, 5 hours 49 minutes. So that would be your at for, at 31 kilometers per hour. So that would be the the duration that you're out for and holding that 175 watts on your race day. So then you can calculate your your training stress score based on those numbers. So 5 hours 49 minutes is equal to 5.8 hours. And you multiply that by your intensity uh, squared. And your intensity is 70%, as I mentioned. So that is 0.7 squared. And then you multiply that by 100 again. So that will give you the training stress score, the TSS, which comes out at 284 which is, uh, now that I look at my reference table from triathlon 2.0, very high. The recommendations here is to just want to finish to shoot for a bike TSS of 220 to 260. If you're kind of a mid-packer, then 240 to 270 is appropriate. And if you're a very competitive age grouper, then 270 to 290. So this would be a very competitive athlete. But then again, that time, 5 hours 50, is not so. So it's not very realistic in this case. But... Uh, for argument's sake, the thing that you can do with this number, your estimated TSS on race day, 284, is to do workouts that simulate and where you accumulate that amount of training stress score. And not all of it will be at race intensity. There will be segments that are a lot slower, but then there will be race intensity segments and pretty long ones as well. So they will be a very hard, long, big day out. And this will give you an idea of if it's realistic. And especially once you add that brick run, which uh, is, I would say, is important to add on top of that. It doesn't have to be too long. I would say that 30 minutes is plenty. But uh, you need to see that you can run at your planned target race intensity or race pace after doing a ride of with this amount of TSS and that, that will give you a great idea of whether you're on track or not if you should adjust your targets or your expectations and imagine how important it is if you can find this out in training that something is definitely realistic or it's definitely not realistic and you don't need to find out on race day that is golden so so this is reverse engineering your key workouts based on your target goal TSS is something that, that is very useful for long course athletes. Then we have comparing key performance indicators in season and season to season. And it is, this is just a short point and I won't go into it in too much detail, but I will include some 
links or screenshots, I should say, on the show notes page because Training Peaks has so many great charts that are so easy to use and drag and drop and build to your heart's content so that you can compare different metrics. For example, you can have overlaid graphs that show how a certain metric has evolved comparing to different time periods. So it can be this season and last season, for example, or it can be the last two months and the two months before that to see whether you're developing in this current season. So this is not something that we'll talk a lot about because there's so much you can do. But uh, important important examples that I can mention is just comparing within season for the last couple of months compared to the, the previous two months, those aerobic endurance and muscular endurance metrics that I mentioned before. So P20, P60, and uh and the decoupling and efficiency factor so yeah that's about it for that point and let's wrap up with point number 10 what data and which metrics should you focus on the most important one is the pmc which has the ctl which is chronic training load or fitness and uh, acute training load or atl or fatigue and tsb training stress balance or form the PMC incorporates all of those and is a great visual chart. So that is the most important one, in my opinion. And then we have the training stress score. As I mentioned, it's uh, the key to all of this. Nothing would be possible without the training stress score. But uh, it's not too often that you need to actually be so concerned, I would say, about planning training stress scores for workouts. Although you can do that. And uh, I think it's probably good to do that as well. It's just not something that I've been doing uh, at this point. It's more retrospective, except for that taper period. In the taper period, it becomes very, very critical to to be mindful of planning according to TSS. And also uh, for some athletes, if you periodize with training stress score. But then uh, the metrics, actual metrics, those are more, yeah, they are metrics, of course, but but things to analyze are those decoupling and efficiency factor for aerobic endurance, as I already mentioned, and P20 and P60 for your muscular endurance. I would like Training Peaks to add P120 as well. Uh, it's a shame that they don't provide that, but uh, I think P20 and P60, they give you a good idea. So that's about it for those metrics. I'm just trying to think if there's anything. I Ramp rates I mentioned already, but those are also metrics that are important to measure. So uh, yeah, finally, one thing that I should mention is that I created a video about how to set up your dashboard in Training Peaks, and I'll add that in the show notes or link to that in the show notes, I should say, so that you can see exactly what charts and graphs I use in Training Peaks. And I will give you an idea of exactly what you can do in Training Peaks and how it may benefit you. I hope that I haven't uh, scared any beginner triathletes away from this podcast with this pretty technical and advanced episode. We will have and have had a lot of more stuff geared towards beginners. And I just try to give you guys a good variety so that there's something for everybody here. But the goal, again, is always to make it something that you can make use of in your triathlon training. So uh, I hope that for many of you, this has been that kind of useful episode. And as I mentioned many, many times already, it will really be the most useful if you go to the show notes page on thattriathlonshow.com and check it out and don't be one of those because there will be a million triathletes or maybe a thousand or a couple of thousand that are going yeah right i'll go to that triathlonshow.com and have a look at the show notes page and then you don't go don't be one of those be one of those action takers that actually go there and have a look at it and if you don't have if you have a training peaks account 
you start to play around with these things. And if you don't, you sign up for a free account at first and then you notice that, wow, this is a great a great platform and I can try it for one month and then you sign up for it and then after that you will realize how much benefit you can get for a very small investment. So I hope, really, really hope that you do that, that you are one of these action takers and uh, and that way you can uh, you can really, really beat the other triathletes that didn't take action on this episode in your next race and uh, give me an email if that's the case michael at scientific triathlon.com and that's michael with a k also as always feedback questions anything that you have for me i'm happy to answer and have a conversation or email or twitter my handle is scitriat that's about it for this episode. On the next episode, we will have Jesse Kropelnicki, who is an elite level coach, founder of the coaching business QT2 Systems. And among others, he coaches uh, Jocelyn McCauley, who was on a few episodes ago. And uh, thank you to Jocelyn for connecting me and Jesse. Jesse is also the founder of The Core Diet, which uh, is uh, focusing more on the nutrition and hydration side of things. And he is very particular and very knowledgeable in that area. And that is what we will focus on, especially how to fuel for your races, and in particular, long distance races like Ironman and also half distance. But of course, as well, we will have a look at your day-to-day life fueling and how that will support the way that you fuel during races. But this is another very requested topic, fueling on race day. And you will see in the interview with Jesse that it's not just about fueling on race day. It all comes together with combining how you fuel in your day-to-day life and in your training and then in your racing. So I hope to see you on that episode. Until then... Keep training smart and keep loving triathlons.